0: Now you have an internal witness, not just an external witness on the outside, but an internal witness that says, Hey, I don't think you want to do that. Yeah, you've always done that, but not anymore. And if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you've experienced that, haven't you? Where things that you used to do, now all of a sudden you got this check. And at that juncture, you make a choice. What do you do when the check comes?
1: Before you were in Christ, you knew right from wrong. But how often did you choose wrong? Try as you might, the flesh was the dominating force in your life. Now you have a new spirit inside of you, the Spirit of God. His Spirit is there to guide you into righteousness. In today's message, Pastor Daniel asks the question, what do you do when you feel the check of the Spirit in your heart? Because of the Spirit, you can make a different choice. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Beauty of Kindness.
0: Who don't live in such a way to give people what we think they deserve. Now, isn't that countercultural in the day and age in which we live? Because we live in a day and age where everybody deserves what they deserve. This person deserves to be impeached, or this person deserves to be fired, and this person deserves never to act in a movie again, or this or that, for all these very real reasons. But guess what? Justice is not the only attribute of God. And oftentimes, we live in a world that says, I want justice for my enemies, but I want mercy for me. Isn't that what the Psalms are about? See, that's why the Psalms historically have been so popular with every generation. It's very rare for a generation to arise that doesn't find the Psalms to be compelling. Why? Because the Psalms speak of the human condition in the light of God. And every single emotion, all the realities of what it means to be human are contained within the Psalms. And oftentimes we find David saying, Lord, will you judge my enemies, but have mercy on me? And all of us can kind of identify with that, can't we? We're saying, Lord, those people who I don't like, who don't like you, I want you to judge them, Lord. But me, will you give me a free pass, God? And we can identify with that, can't we? But the reality is, is that we need to learn the attribute of mercy that we've learned from Jesus. I mean, do you really want justice for everybody else and only mercy for you? You know why that's a problem? Of course, if you've read the book of Proverbs, it says that uneven scales are an abomination to God. So when you want justice for somebody else, you want someone to get what they got coming, but you're saying, oh, Lord, but be merciful to me. Let me off the hook. God, you know, I'm kind of jacked up here. That misses the point. Why? Because look at, the, look at the beatitude. Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall obtain mercy. I like to say it this way. Whatever you give, you get. Whatever you give... You get blessed are the merciful, those who aren't just feeling having feelings of mercy, but are tangibly, actively being merciful, not giving people what they deserve. They are those who will receive mercy. And this reminds of what Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be what? Measured back to you. Now, the idea of judge not, the word judge doesn't mean don't have any awareness or discernment. The word krino in the Greek language literally means to pass judgment unto condemnation. So, in our day, we say judge not, so people are like, well, well, don't judge me. It's like, no, no, I'm just discerning that I'm not going to do business with you because you're shady. That's not judgment. That's just discernment. Right? See, judgment is when you sit in the judge's seat and you pass condemnation on somebody. And it says, condemn not lest you be condemned with whatever condemnation you meet out, it will be measured back to you. So really what it says is that you and I, God allows us to erect the criteria by which we are judged. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I've learned in my life. And I see it in my own heart is that I have a tendency to be the hardest on people who do exactly the things that I do wrong. I have a tendency to be the most frustrated with people who do the sins that I do. So maybe you're the kind of person who you're really judgmental. And you know how you know you're really judgmental? Because you think everybody else is judgmental. You're like, oh, that person is so judgmental. That's because you're judgmental. Because your sin looks terrible when they do it. And you don't like being under the condemnation that you're meeting out. Maybe you're the kind of person that says, but I think everyone should be nice. And nobody is nice. You know what that probably means? You ain't nice either. Lord, have mercy. You know what I mean? And so what you have is whatever you give, you get. Whatever measure you erect, that is the measure that gets pushed back to you. Paul says it this way in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10, the principle of sowing and reaping. It says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season you will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Now, I love what the Apostle Paul ties in here. Because he says first, don't think for a second that God will be mocked. Whatever it is that you sow, that you will reap. And again, this has the picture of agriculture, like where we're getting ready. Whatever seed you put in, whatever you sow, that's the plant that you get. So it's like, if you are like if you go and you're putting your garden together and you get a bunch of cucumbers, you're not expecting to get tomatoes out of your cucumber seeds. Does that make sense? So whatever you sow, that you will also reap. And then Paul now takes it and he turns and he says, and don't miss that spiritual as well right? If you sow to the flesh, if you make an investment of planting seeds of rebellion against God, then of the flesh you will reap corruption. He's saying that, look, if you live your life making a life investment into what rebels against God, you will end up with corruption in your life. You will end up with everything that is not beautiful, everything that is not healthy or holy in the best interest of you or anybody else. But if you Put that in, that's what you're gonna get. Of the flesh will reap corruption. But then he goes on to say, but if you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. He's saying, look, if you don't sow to rebellion against God, but you sow to life locked into the rhythms of God, to the Spirit, of the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. And listen, you want to know about your life? You want to know about the world that we live in? It's right there. Your choice for your life. No one can make your choices for you. And what's amazing is, is God, as the true and living God, the all-knowing one, he doesn't make our choices for us either. He has allowed each one of us to make our own choices. But you know what he does? He says, look, I want to influence your decisions. It's your decisions, but I want to influence your decisions. And that's why when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life so that now you have an internal witness. Not just an external witness from the outside, but an internal witness that says, hey, I don't think you want to do that. Yeah, you've always done that, but not anymore. And if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you've experienced that, haven't you? Where things that you used to do, now all of a sudden you got this check. And at that juncture, you make a choice. What do you do when the check comes? What do you do when that conviction touches your life? Do you respond to it and flee? Or do you live into it? See, those moments, we like to call the God pause, right? There's that moment right before you make a decision where you have that check, that conviction of the spirit, and then we either obey or we disobey. And if you disobey, you're sowing in the flesh against the will of God and you will ultimately reap a harvest of corruption in your life when you do that. Or you honor that check and then you flee the youthful lust and then you turn to the Lord and of the Spirit, as you make those decisions, of the Spirit you will reap everlasting life. And everlasting life on this side of eternity is... Knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said in John's gospel, this is everlasting life, that you may know him and him who he sent. And here's the deal. Every single day, all of us are sowing. Every single day, each one of us, every decision is either sowing in the flesh that will reap corruption, or in the spirit that will reap everlasting life. And guess what? It never stops. As long as you're here, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you are sowing and reaping. Now, you got to ask yourself, what kind of garden are you sowing right now? What decisions are you making? See, this is what I love so much about the Bible is that it puts... Jesus, by his spirit, puts everything in our doorstep. Okay, so what are you going to do? But I can't make your decisions for you. You can't make my decisions for me. You are responsible for your life. I'm responsible for mine. In some ways, we're responsible for our families, but that's even in a limited sense. Because even within a family... Everyone is autonomous within a family. And so husbands, they're responsible for their wives, but they can't make their wife's decisions. And wives are responsible for your husband, but you can't really make your husband's decisions either. So each one of us gives an account of our lives before God of what we're sowing and what we're reaping. Now, here's the thing, and this is where the problem comes in for most people, is that the thing is, is you don't get the harvest right away. Just like you sow your cucumber seeds, your tomato seeds, your apple tree seeds, you're not going to get the fruit tomorrow. That's why Costco exists right? You can go in, you can get what you want, when you want it. But in reality, in our lives, seeds that we're sowing today may not harvest for a decade or two decades or five years. And that's why the apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. Now, I want to talk to those of you right now who you're on this journey with Jesus and you're trying to sow to the spirit, but it's not easy and you're feeling tired and you're like, man, it's so hard to resist this temptation or this lifestyle habit that I've been doing for so long and I'm tired and it's, and I'm not getting what I want. I figured I just, I get clean and this, and then God will just take care of everything. And it's taking a little while longer. Listen, do not grow weary in doing good. Knowing that in due season you will reap. If you don't lose heart. I believe there's many of us right now. You are right in the place where you are about to lose heart. Where you've been doing your best for a long time. And you've been grinding it out. But you're getting tired. And you're thinking to yourself, man, listen. Don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because you're doing good. Don't forget that. It says that you're doing good. So keep going. And don't lose heart, because in due season you will reap. You and I do not have control over the harvest time. That's God's job. Our job is to sow seed to the Spirit. To sow into that life, because whatever you put in, you get out. So if you're the kind of person right now, you're saying, I wish I had more love in my life. I wish I was receiving more love from other people. Guess what your job is? To love people more. Put more love in. And even if it hurts sometimes, because love does hurt sometimes, if you keep putting that love in, if you don't grow weary and you keep doing good, you will reap in due season. Don't worry that it's not the season. You put that in there. If you're saying, look, I think the world should have more integrity, and it should, then you need to say, I'm going to put more integrity into this life. If you think the world should be more compassionate, then guess what? Put more compassion into your world. Because whatever you give, you get. And in due season, you will reap if you do not lose heart. And then I love how Paul closes this section out. Because he says this, Therefore, this is still Galatians 6, verse 10, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now you see that? What's powerful? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall give. So God gives us mercy. Lord, have mercy, right? And as we're merciful, then we receive mercy because we're responding to God's mercy, being merciful to other people, and God is being merciful to us. You're giving what you get. And then it says, therefore, as you have opportunity, do good to everybody, especially to your family of faith. Now think about that. It doesn't say just do good to the church, just do good to Christians, do good to people who believe like you do. It says do good to all, but have special priority to the family of God. Now, if we put now the beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, with now the fruit of the Spirit, what do we learn? The fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of mercy is what? Kindness. You See how that fits together? Therefore, do good to all, especially those of the household of faith, because... For somebody who is merciful because they've received mercy, now all of a sudden, the fruit of this God's mercy in our lives that we extend through our lives is now all of a sudden we are known for our kindness. Now, the word in the Greek, it has connotations of goodness and generosity. But we also have those words used in other places in the fruit of the Spirit as well. So the idea of kindness, it's the ability to behave towards others as God has behaved towards us. It's pushing forward a winsomeness, a simple joyfulness. See, in a lot of ways, if you think of kindness, we always know what isn't kind, something that is harsh or maybe even austere. I mean, people don't use that word anymore. But are you known for your harshness? You know, I'll be honest, I'll just confess it. I've always been harsh. I remember when Lynn and I first got married, she said, Daniel, kindness matters. You know, and I take that to heart. She just told me that yesterday. God's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. But I grew up in an environment, I mean, pretty kind of doggy dog environment. But what you realize is that when God has been merciful to you, And not in just having merciful thoughts, but sent Jesus to die in my place, right? And then I choose, I'm gonna be merciful with others. See, you can be merciful with somebody else because you see that you're just like them. God's been merciful to you, they deserve mercy as well. And now all of a sudden, you see how kindness plays into this now, right? Because if you realize I'm a sinner and God's been good to me, you're a sinner and God will be good to you, then I should be kind to you as well, because you're not all the way there yet. And as I started thinking about this idea of kindness and how it relates to mercy, I'm reminded that I think maybe the greatest need we have in this generation is for the people of God to become kind like our Father is. Because for so many people, their experience of Christians is not kind. I mean, If you realize how merciful God is, is there any room not to be kind to somebody else who's in process? When you realize how patient God has been with you, is there any way to not be patient with somebody else? See, kindness costs nothing. You realize that, right? Kindness doesn't cost you anything. Kindness is simply us choosing to treat others the way God has treated us. And I think we need a kind Christianity in this generation. Because it's amazing, like, and I get how it works, and I know you all do as well, that when they wanna make a point, they roll out somebody as a caricature for everything. You know that, right? Like, and that's on every side. So if you wanna show that Christians are idiots, then they find the biggest idiot Christian you can find and they roll them out on the news. In the same way, you wanna find the most horrendous liberal or conservative or this or that they always roll out like the caricature right that it's a straw man argument to make the point but the thing is is that when someone's been kind to you one-on-one like we can't control the caricatures that our culture puts out but we can control the witness of jesus within our sphere of influence can't we and when someone's been kind to you you know it right And if someone's been kind to you and you know it, if someone is wrong to them, you'll say, listen, I don't understand why you're treating them that way. That's a nice person. That's a kind person. And I think we need to be willing to have grassroots kindness be part of who we are. And a lot of us, that's who we are as a church. We are constantly within our community trying to be a vehicle to put The message of Jesus back on the table for a community that says, oh man, all Christians are judgmental. They don't care about our community. They just want their tax exempt and their write-off and their little church and their songs and we don't want to be involved with anything. And we're saying, no, 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 no. We actually want to meet the world at it's places of pain in the name of Jesus because our Savior is the kindest person who's ever lived. You know that Jesus is the kindest person you'll ever meet in your entire life. When you come to Jesus and say, oh, Lord, I have made a mess of my life. He says, yeah, I know. Come on, the us fix you. doesn't matter where you've been. You could be on death row. You could be in a drug house. You could be sitting there wallowing in the destruction of your life. Or everything could be going perfect. And you just realize how much you're missing. Jesus is never like, yeah, I never liked you anyway. It's about time you realize how messed up you are, loser. You know, it's like, that's not who Jesus is, right? He didn't treat you that way. And don't ever forget the fact: It's the goodness of the Lord that leads a person to repentance. And God's goodness is mediated through people. Isn't it true? God's kindness is mediated to the world through the church. The cross shows his kindness and his mercy, but the church is meant to embody that in this world. And don't miss the fact, remember how we saw the the Beatitudes, how they all work together? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Love leads to joy. God's unconditional love leads us to have a joyfulness despite our circumstances, and then joy leads to peace. Because you know, no matter what goes on, right, God is good, and his love is real. So you can have a peace no matter what the storm is. And because of that peace, now you have patience. You can long suffer with other people. And then once you're long suffering and patient, guess what happens? You're kind, because you know a good God is doing a good work. And that's beautiful, isn't it? See, God's mercy wants to make us more kind. Now, I want to close this message by reading to you a, a section in Paul's Letter to Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. And what I love about this is in this text, it brings together all these things that we've been talking about in a really powerful way. It says this in Titus, chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them, speaking... So Paul is telling Titus to remind the church to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, Showing all humility to all men. Now, isn't that a beautiful definition of kindness? Think about what he says. Speak evil of no one. That would be a kind thing to do, right? To be peaceable, to be a peacemaker. That would be a kind thing to do. To be gentle. That's a kind thing. Showing all humility to all people. Sounds kind, right? Now, going on, he says this. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit.
1: Jesus is... Justice is not the only attribute of God. In today's message, Pastor Daniel showed us that even though we want God to judge our enemies and have mercy on us, that's not really how God works. If you want to receive mercy, you need to become a person of mercy. You need to release people from what they deserve and pass along the mercy of God. In this way, what you put into it is what you will receive. So choose mercy. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the next beatitude and the fruit of the Spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the fruit that goes along with this is goodness. You're going to see what you want to see. If you're looking for God, you will see God. What are you choosing to focus on? Next time, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to shift that focus to the Lord. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Beautiful. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.